um, thanks, Dan. You are not alone. And, um, oh, you're just talking about striving. Dan's like, what? He's like, well, you're not alone singing. We're all singing with you. But, you know, you're talking about striving, and I've been there. And um, I'm just thankful that we've got a God and a Holy Spirit that, that fills in the gap. And, um, you know, and he comes and he intercedes and he, you know, without a weakness, he's at his strongest. And that's really good. You know, so last week, hi, by the way, um, last week in the video announcements, you were promised a guest speaker. And that was, <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be a, a secret or anything like that. Um, I thought we were gonna we we're gonna share, but that's okay. It's me, and I'm sorry if that's disappointing. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's really nice. I kind of want to. <laughs> I just want to say thanks for your encouragement. That was really good, and it's it's um this is something that I'll keep calling out. I do it often, you know, when I get up here and just to say thank you because I'm really thankful to your church for um you know for the way that you bless me and you encourage me. And, um, you know, often when I'm down, I'll get an encouraging text message or something like, keep going. And so your prayers, your encouragement, um, all of your support just spurs me on. And I want to say that because I want you to keep doing it. Because <laughs> not just for me, but for the next guy. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll come and I'll go and whatever, and I'll, but there'll be people after me that come through. And I just want to say, keep doing what you're doing um, because it helps. And, um, and so that's that. So now that I've softened you up, <laughs> I'm going I'm to go to our reading for today. It's from Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 23 to 31. Um, that's a cool graphic. Nice. Again, uh, this is uh, Ezekiel chapter 22. Again, a message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, give the people of Israel this message. In the day of my indignation, you will be like a polluted land... A land without rain. Your princes plot conspiracies just as lions stalk their prey. They devour innocent people, seizing treasures and extorting wealth. They make many widows in the land. Your priests have violated my instructions and defiled my holy things. They make no distinction between what's holy and what is not. And they do not teach my people the difference between what is ceremonially clean and unclean. They disregard my Sabbath days so that I am dishonored among them. Your leaders are like walls who tear apart their victims. They actually destroy people's lives for money. And your prophets cover up for them by announcing false visions and making lying predictions. They say, my message is from the sovereign Lord. And when the Lord hasn't spoken a single word to them, even common people oppress the poor, rob the needy, and deprive foreigners of justice. Wow, this is a light-hearted scripture, right? <laughs> Happy Father's Day. <laughs> and you know, at this point, I'm going to hesitate to make eye contact because you're probably thinking, man, we've given this guy an opportunity and 25 minutes from the pulpit and in the first minute, it sounds like he's going to condemn us all, but I'm not. Hang in there. This is actually a message of hope and I'm going to continue reading um, from verse 30. I looked... For someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. So now I will pour out my fury on them, consuming them with fire of my anger. And I will heap on their heads the full penalty for all their sins. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. 
And as you read this stuff, I'm, I'm a little reminded of why I spend most of my devotions in the New Testament. <laughs> and, I, and, not, and not so much in the Old. This is heavy stuff. And try reading through Jeremiah and Lamentations and Ezekiel as you prep for a sermon. It's, whew, it's super heavy. But now we have a little bit of context to this teaching. I want to get into it, but I just want to pray first because I think we might need it. Father, I just want to thank you for this time that we can have together. And um, Lord, I want to thank you for using someone as um, just like me, God, who, um, who does strive from time to time, you know, and, and God really needs, really needs you. But Father, you know what? I'm really thankful that you know, no, no matter what I say, God, it's your Holy Spirit inside of us that actually speaks to us and brings the word to life in our life. And so, um, you know, for someone like me, that's a win-win. I can get up here and talk, God, and you can still move regardless of what I say, and that's pretty cool. So, Lord, I pray that you do it this morning. Amen. All right. So, this passage is from, um, you know, 620 BC, and it kind of never ceases to amaze me that you know, the human race is kind of like a, um, you know, one of those soapies, like Home and Away or Neighbours or something like that. They've been running for 200 years, but it's a kind of the same story. You know, like, you know, the diner burns down or the, the school burns down or the, um, I don't know, the, the, what else do they have? The surf club burns down, you know, and... Um, and, you know, the, the community rallies or whatever, and it's just this cycle that keeps going on every five years or so. Not that I watch them <laughs> anymore. But um, <laughs> after, yeah, after Nathan's message last week, just about, you know... <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah. um, but it's true for God's people. You know, we, we sort of heard in this message a little... You know, we heard a little bit of insight into the leaders of the time and, and what was going through, and... You know, something that I picked out, we heard about leaders who distort the truth and leave a trail of destruction for their personal and financial gain. Sounds a little familiar. Um, We talk about pastors who make no distinction between what is holy and what is not, and they teach according to their own personal benefit, and and they can be negligent in their duties and fail to instruct correctly. Now, that's not true of here, Um, but, you know, I've seen that. Um... And common people who continue to oppress the poor, rob the needy, and deprive foreigners of justice. Yeah, this all sounds this all sounds pretty familiar. And we regularly reflect on this pattern throughout history and how, just like our present day of age, it is. Two thousand six hundred years, and these same things happen even this week. I just want to go back and reread. This last part, verses 30 and 31 of Ezekiel chapter 22, because we're going to spend a little bit of time here just to see what God might be teaching us this morning. Starts here. I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. So now... I will pour out my fury on them, consuming them with the fire of my anger. I will heap on their heads the full penalty of their sins. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. (sighs) 
There's some pretty cool imagery here, and I just wanted to, um, I think we got a picture of Jerusalem as it would have looked in, um, you know, that day, and it's, this is kind of, this is an artist's depiction, I suppose, of, of what it would have looked like, but most cities in that time, I've discovered, are quite similar, you know, this size. They have, most of the, um, the townspeople would live inside the wall and it would be surrounded by a large wall. And um, outside, there's crops and farmland and what have you that the people would, would use to, to build and support, the, um, you know, support the, the people living inside. But the wall is, um, it is there to protect the people, um, just in case there was um, invading armies or anything like that. This saying, stand in the gap, actually derives from around this time. So as these walls would be, um, would be erected, the if an invading army did happen to attack and they knock a hole in the wall um, to get through, this saying, standing in the gap, basically means people would literally stand in the gap in the place of that missing infrastructure and protect the people. And so they would um, sacrifice themselves often for the sake of the people inside. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, there's probably a heap we can learn from this passage, but I wanted to focus on two observations. The first is a general one that we can learn that applies to all of humanity. And then the second is how that impacts our, our lives. So firstly, the general observation. And I want to cover this first because it's foundational. And I want to have it in our minds while we deal with this scripture. You know, Ezekiel would have been writing this, um, this prophetic word to, with the Israelites in mind for the time. Um, and God had warned his people over and over, particularly you know, through Jeremiah, that if they do not turn from their wicked ways, there would be a punishment um, for their sin. But now with the benefit of living this side of Jesus coming, I reckon this is a really cool example of the living and um, breathing word of the scripture because it actually changes for us as time goes on. So we can now consider this a, a messianic verse in that this actually talks about Jesus. And, um, you know, God actually did send someone to rebuild the wall of righteousness, and he did. And he not only stands in the gap in the wall, but he completely bridges it for those that ask him into their lives so that instead of exile and separation, we can be reconciled and in relationship with the Father. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, I toot and froed a little bit about adding 31, verse 31 into the, into the message this morning where it talks about, now I'll pour my fury on them, consuming them with the fire. Oh, man, this is heavy stuff, and I don't like to think of my Lord like that sometimes, you know, but here's the story. He gave us Jesus so that we didn't have to, you know, we didn't have to, to, to bear the brunt of that, um, you know, of that punishment. And I think Romans chapter 8 sort of says it a lot better than I ever could. And so I'll read from verses 1 to 4. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. And so God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us 
by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the Spirit. You know, Jesus might have rebuilt the wall of righteousness and made a way, but it's only enough if we accept it and we accept him. And so he offers us an invitation also to join us in his mission, drawing people to him through his example. And this is what it means for me to stand in the gap, loving others when it's hard, being the light in a dark place, interceding for others and showing them the way to the Father. You know, that's through Jesus. You know, so when I talk now about standing in the gap, I'm talking about being someone that God can use to reconnect those who are around us back to him. And so in the gap, you know, that's where I want to be. If I can remain faithful in a situation where others aren't or if there is a little godly influence, I know that I can have hope in those situations because even though I might be one, I've got Jesus and I've also learned that God honours the one. You know, there's several times where the faithfulness of Moses or Aaron saw you know, the Israelites spared on many occasions. You know, I've read in Acts chapter 27 as Paul's sailing across the Mediterranean Sea and this big nor'easter stirs up, you know, the fishermen know about it, and this storm brews, batters their ship for days, and God spares all of the people because Paul's on board. God honours the one in place of the many. So when I'm imagining God giving this message to Ezekiel, and I'm presuming he's writing it down, you know, he's, I searched for someone to stand in the gap, but I found no one. And Ezekiel's like, oh man, oh, I'm someone. Come on, God. Well, let's explore this point for a moment. Because Ezekiel, he is a man of God. He's undeniably a man of God. He had numerous prophetic visions that we can read, which were all confirmed to be true. And he even spoke there of the coming of Jesus Christ, and he did a number of other times as well. And that happened 600 years earlier to the coming of Christ. You know, and also, also in Jerusalem at that time is Jeremiah. He's undeniably a man of God. He revealed prophecies that, that all proved accurate. And we learned of his Christ-like heart as he pleads with the Israelites to come back to the Father and then his anguish when they don't. This guy has a heart like Christ. Obviously a faithful servant. So when God is looking for someone to stand in the gap, one of these two. I sort of thought of two reasons which I think will help us to understand, help us to understand how we might be able to be more effective in the gap. Firstly, Ezekiel and Jeremiah had limited influence among the people. The princes, the leaders, the priests, the prophets, they were simply no longer listening to these men. In Ezekiel chapter 2, chapter two verse 7, you know, God says to Ezekiel, You must give them my messages, whether they listen or not. But they won't listen, for they are completely rebellious. And to Jeremiah in chapter 7, he said, Tell them all this, but do not expect them to listen. Shout out your warnings, but don't expect them to respond. 
Say to them, this is a nation whose people will not obey the Lord their God and who refuse to be taught. Truth has vanished from among them. It is no longer heard on their lips. There's probably not too many of us here who will ever have the opportunity to to speak to our nation's leaders and tell them about how much God loves them and, and even lead them into Christ. But each of us here does have an audience with people who care about and respond to what we say. It matters what we say to these people. You know, these are the people in our lives that we, you know, that we do life with. Our family, our friends, our, our co-workers. Um, it's in the conversations that we have in these circles where what we say has the greatest of impact. Because they know we love them. So if we're going to stand in the gap and point the way, these groups need to know that they are loved by us. So we know that we're partnering with Jesus in the gap, but how can we be effective? Well, firstly, it's just that. Those we stand in the gap for will hear from us if they know we care for them, if that makes sense. They'll hear from us if they know we care for them. Friends, parents, fathers... You know, for us with our children, the time, the, time, the, children, the time you spend together, you make sure they feel loved, they feel validated, they're cared for. When we're in our family and friendship circles, be a peacemaker, one that resolves conflicts, not looks to generate it. Be slow to anger, slow to criticise and quick to praise. You know, be the light in those relationships. Then when you have something important to say, those that you love this way, they'll listen. The second reason that God looked and couldn't find anyone is because I think the breach in the wall of righteousness at that time was simply far too wide for one person to restore. But if you've been discouraged by the punishment God handed to those in Jerusalem like I first was, remember that we've got something that Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, all of those people, those God followers, didn't have at the time. And it's Jesus Christ living inside of us. And salvation now is just a decision away. And this is really heartening for me because I've got hope for many more that I love, you know, to turn to him. And it's not easy but he never said it would be. And um, although it's hard, we, we've got to be willing to sacrifice for those we stand in the gap for. And that's my second point. You know, I'm thinking of these soldiers who are literally standing in the gap in the wall, defending their nation behind them. There's a personal cost for these people. They're doing it because they believe in it. You know, when we're signing... Up to be in the gap, we're signing up for hard relationships. We don't walk away when it gets tough. We're signing up to be vulnerable with them. You know, someone that we love might drift away from us and it'll break our heart and we'll suffer because of our love for the Father. You know, for Jesus, the sacrifice was his life. We'll need to put others first. 
and we'll need to put ourselves last over and over again. And what's worse, you might even get ridiculed for it. But God honours those who live this way. And our God is a faithful God. And I just, as I was, as I was thinking about this point, I remember back to our series on Joshua and I loved, I love it. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know, we do it in Jesus' name. Yeah, my last sub-point here comes from the fact that there's rarely such a thing as a short stint in the gap. You know, it's a long-term commitment to someone. So the last point here is just to remain resilient and persist for those that we're standing for. Don't lose sight of our mission here on earth. God's desire is for all people to be saved. Did you hear that? And it's our responsibility to point them to Jesus. But it's going to be hard. So how do we remain resilient when we're often battered? Well, firstly, I've got commit to prayer. And my best mate turned from, um, from God over 20 years ago. And that makes me sound really old. And I'm getting there. And um, a mate of mine would say, I'm pushing 40. And over time, it's become harder as the years have gone on to have a conversation about my faith with this person because, um, you know, I don't want to jeopardise my friendship with him. You know, and I don't know if you ever, if you ever had a friendship like that. But I am believing, to God, I'm believing for God to make a way there. And um, he was a regular part of my prayer life for years. In fact, I had a card in my wallet, in the little sleeve part of my wallet. Every time I opened it up, where your license sometimes goes, I'd have this prayer that I pray, and, and I'd, op- I'd open it up and, and pray for it. And um, you know, it fell out once. Might have changed my wallet or lost it or whatever. And, and um, God has convicted me this week um, of that. And... Um, you know, if I'm going to persist for those I pray for, I'm committing daily to pray for these people, for this person. So I'm going to print out that card again. I'm going to put it in my sleeve of my wallet. I'm going to keep praying from every day. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1, 3 and 4 says, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people. This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Saviour, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Why would our God encourage us to pray like he does in this verse and intercede for others if he didn't have an intention of answering our prayers? So he's going to answer them. I'm believing that. But when he does, we have to be prepared for when those opportunities come. You know, Jules and I have had some seriously deep conversations with our kids lately, uh, particularly our younger, our younger two. And um, I wanted to share a few of them, some of the questions that have been raised in our, um, you know, in our household at the, you know, at dinner time or often just before bedtime. 
here we go. First, when I go to heaven, will I have the same body? Will I be small again and grow up all over again? Here's another one. Do I have to keep praying the prayer that God, uh, for God to take me home with him? Here's one from a couple of nights ago. Is a worship song just like a prayer? If it is, can I just sing a worship song instead of prayers before bed? I thought that was pretty funny. Here's one that really touched their heartstrings. The kids have been talking about Jesus at school and they're finding now that um, it is uncommon to have Christ first in their life. And one of them came home and he's, he'd been thinking about it all day and that night he's, he's in tears in bed and he's upset because he's realised that after talking with his mates at school they don't believe in Jesus and so they won't be going to heaven with him. I really want them to come with me. Why can't they go to heaven? Now these questions usually come around bedtime so maybe this is some kind of a crafty ploy to have a deep theological discussion (laughs) and so we'll be up at 10pm at night just talking about this stuff (laughs) but I love that they're inquisitive (laughs) but there's a point here you know in 1 Timothy we were just encouraged to pray for salvation for all people And so we know that our God answers prayer and he wouldn't be telling us to pray for something that he doesn't. And so when it comes in the form of a question about God, we need to be prepared to answer. When that person comes with an intriguing question, you may be able to respond with a well-considered and equally intriguing response. So let's read. Yeah, let's study. Let's educate ourselves in biblical knowledge and prepare ourselves for when that time comes for us. Because if we pray for it, that time will come for us. <sighs> yeah, I wasn't quite sure of what to speak on for this Father's Day, but more and more I get the sense that with confusing messages and access to unfiltered and often uncensored information... It's confusing, but what people need is the stable and unchanging word of God and a security of life with him. So don't give any ground for your family. Don't give any ground for your friends. Set a spiritual example. Pray without ceasing. And you know what? Let your kids see you do it. Pray over them. Cling to what is good. Abstain from what's evil. Serve others. And this just came to me before. As we're serving, show people how much you love it. You know, when you're leaving for church early in the morning to get there, it's a joy to be doing it. So let your family see it. And study his word. You know what? Do it in places where your family can see you do it because it makes a difference to your life and they should see that too. I'm going to finish on um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith and your purity. Amen. Stand in the gap and let's... 
Let's watch what he's going to do with us. And I'm going to pray. Father, I want to thank you for this time together. God, I just believe that you stand in the gap for me. Lord, the words that I say, Father, only come from you. I'm just reading them from your word. But God, I pray that your Holy Spirit takes that and and just brings it to life in, 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 in lives. Father, I want to pray that you would continue to change us from the inside out. Lord, that as we are, that as we pray, as we witness, as we intercede on behalf of those that we love, Father, that they will see a difference in our life. And God, they will be intrigued by it. God, when they ask the questions, Lord, you give us the wisdom, the spiritual guidance to be able to give a godly and true response. But Father, I also pray that in all of it, they see the joy that you've made in our life. And God, it's something that they can't do without. God, we pray for those we love that aren't with you. Man, it's hard. Man, it's hard. Father, we pray for the opportunities. God, give us conversations with them. Lord, give us a renewed hunger to see them come back to you and know of your love. God, we love them, but we know that you love them more. And so we pray all of these things in your awesome name.